You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? Our brain is responsible for controlling our behaviors, right? I mean, you can think about what you want to binge on Netflix and whether or not you want to watch another episode after your bedtime. Your brain decides if you want to call your ex after you've drowned yourself in tears listening to the latest Sam Smith album, and it also controls whether you blow your paycheck on, I don't know, Lululemon yoga pants, or if you do the responsible thing and put it in your savings account. So isn't it true that your brain decides all of your behaviors around food as well? Yeah, certainly. In this episode, we're going to discuss not only how the brain controls our food and our eating decisions, but also how it's related to how our body stores fat, and then what we can do to better control our eating habits to help reach weight loss and health goals. Before I dive into this episode entirely, I want to share with you guys a little little something something here, okay? So if you don't know me, I'm Kate, I'm a registered dietitian, and me and my business partner, Megan, who is also a registered dietitian, created a program specifically to help people stay accountable and stay consistent with healthy eating behaviors because we know that when we're doing it by ourselves and we don't have somebody in our corner cheering us on, holding us to a high standard, the chances of us giving up are extremely high, right? We've all been there. We've all tried a new program. We've tried to set a goal, whether that's related to health or work or fitness, whatever it is. And if we don't have support, we are going to fall off track a whole lot easier. So our program to help you with this is called the Daily Accountability Program. It's kind of like having a pocket dietitian or a pocket nutrition coach. And what this program is, is a structure where you get a consult with a dietitian. So we help you set reasonable goals and help you formulate a plan of action to reach these goals. Then every day for 30 days, we hold you accountable. We send you messages on a video platform called WhatsApp and you send us messages back every single day to make sure that you are being held to the goals and action steps that we set at our initial consultation together. There's no excuses. There is no way you can't stay consistent because we force you, we force you to stay in that mindset so that the behaviors you're doing every single day are in line with your goals. So if you are wanting to overcome emotional eating or if you are wanting to lose weight or all of the above, we're gonna make sure you do it in the right way so that these new behaviors and habits stick with you for life, all right? So if you're interested in that, we do only take five clients per month. The reason being, It's highly personalized and we take a lot of time out of our day and our business to make sure that our daily accountability, our DAP clients 
are getting the best of the best attention, that we are there for them whenever they need us. So we got to scale it. We can't take everybody. We have an application form. We read the application forms. We take them really seriously because we don't want to accept somebody that we don't think we can help or who we don't think is as invested as us because it's a two-way street, right? We're going to pour into you if you pour into yourself as well. So I'm going to link that application to our daily accountability program in the show notes below. Highly encourage you, even if you're just kind of on the fence or you want more information, fill out the application. Make sure you've got the WhatsApp downloaded on your phone. It is free, honey. If it's free, it's me. Make sure you've already got that on your phone and we will contact you there if your application is a hit. But you know what? Let's get back into today's episode topic. And that is the brain's relationship to food intake and obesity. We know our brain controls what we want to eat, where we want to eat, and how much we eat. The misconception is we believe that our conscious mind is always in control of these decisions, meaning we can rationally think through our eating behaviors. However, I got news for you guys. It's not our conscious brain. It's our non-conscious brain. And it has a variety of functions and control centers that impact our diet patterns. These little control centers explain why we have this tendency to, I don't know, binge on chocolate or potato chips, even when we're consciously on a, quote, diet, or we're consciously trying to cut back on these foods. This is why you might feel so out of control around certain foods, and you can't stop eating them, even if you've had just one little itsy-bitsy taste. Have you ever been in that situation where you're like, oh, I'll just have one bite, one little taste, one potato chip, and the next thing you know, they're all gone. Ugh, I've been there. It's sad. We'll dive into the specifics, but let's start with the evolution of the human brain. It's important to understand how it works. See, as primitive creatures, us Homo sapiens are wired for survival. Back in prehistoric times, our ancestors woke up with one task in mind, and that was to live. (laughs) Make it another day. So how does one fulfill the task of living? Well, by not dying, of course, and to not die, you must eat and drink water. Our ancestors would wake up and spend a solid chunk of their day in search of food. And if they were lucky, they found it. And when they found it, they did not squander it. They, their brain would drive them to eat as a means for survival. So if they happen to walk into a field of mulberries or whatever berries were around in this overly simplistic illustration of prehistoric human time, their brain said, eat some mulberries. So let's fast forward to modern times where we don't have to hunt for food at all. Literally, every place has food. Convenience stores, movie theaters, entertainment centers, the vending machines at your office, the candy dish at your physician's waiting room, the free samples at the grocery store. I mean, if you are fortunate enough to have a device that allows you to listen to this podcast, I can assume you're not hunting through your backwoods for snacks because you've got a kitchen stocked and a CVS down the road with plenty of tasty, delicious packaged foods. Unfortunately, as well-intentioned human brains have, uh, they just haven't caught on to the surplus of food, okay? Just as the caveman's mind directed him to eat the mulberries, our brain detects us, or excuse me, directs us to eat from the bowl of potato chips that we just happen to see as we walk by. I mean, our brain thinks that we need this chip to survive. 
Whether we're hungry or not, it doesn't really matter. We notice the chips or, you know, whatever your vice is. Can you tell mine's potato chips? And we instinctively want them. I'll share in the follow-up episode how we can train ourselves not to succumb to the chip, but first, let's explain what happens when we do eat the chip. Once something deliciously palatable hits our tongue, we get a hot shot of dopamine. Dopamine is that feel-good neurotransmitter in our brain that is released when we're happy. So we eat that crispy, salty, crunchy potato chip that has been intentionally manufactured to give us pleasure and wham, bam, dopamine. This is why it's hard for a lot of people to stop after just one little chip. That dopamine shot was just not enough. So they go in for another and another. And depending on your tolerance, you may feel out of control and eat the whole freaking bag. In fact, Let's stay on the subject of tolerance. Like alcohol, our brain and body get used to a certain response from a stimulus. This is why an alcoholic can down copious amounts of booze without feeling as drunk, and an occasional social drinker does after two cocktails. And uh, that's me, guilty, I'm a cheap date. With repeated exposure to pleasurable and palatable foods, our brain's reward center begins to demand more volume or frequency of that outside stimulus to reap the same rewards that it did in the beginning, when you could just have a small serving. Could this explain how an overweight person can't fathom how a leaner person or someone in a smaller body can feel satisfied after one piece of chocolate when he or she requires four or five or six? There have been so many studies on this, specifically within the obese population. So how come an overeater or an obese individual doesn't feel the urge to overeat quote-unquote healthier foods like broccoli, carrots, cucumber? The answer is because those foods don't push that dopamine button in our brain like the more palatable foods do. Palatable foods typically are either sweet, salty, or have that umami flavor. Think of that soy sauce flavor if if you're confused about what umami is. Or it might have a combination. See, processed food producers realize these foods and food combinations can lead to addictive eating and buying behaviors, so they strategically create foods that people want to eat. They know the number one driving factor for the general population when it comes to making food decision is taste, which relates back to our survival instinct. This is why junk food is packed with sugar, salt, or suboptimal combinations of both. Then these companies specifically target to an audience and they design their marketing around that. And boom, they make it rain. And it's not necessarily their fault. It's just giving us what we want, right? We're consumers and we're demanding these things. So the food producers are simply giving us what we're asking for. Let me give you an example. An ice cream combination. Compare vanilla ice cream, plain vanilla, with a ice cream combination that has crunchy, salty pretzels, peanut butter chips, and gooey caramel sauce. There are so many pleasurable flavors and textures in that ice cream when you compare it to the plain vanilla. It's a unique combination of concentrated sugar, carbohydrates, and fat that makes the eating experience more exciting. And therefore, we want to keep it going. And we're going to come back for more. And this is especially true for someone with a problem of overeating. Stopping at one or two servings is quite difficult when there is an array of pleasurable stimuli. While the conscious brain can lend a hand and willpower, repeated exposure day in and day out to these foods can pose as a challenge. As we all know, willpower is finite and it fades. 
This is why it's pivotal for someone with portion control difficulties to be proactive if they want to be successful. We'll discuss strategies in part two of this podcast episode that I'll release next week. So make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast that, you know, so you don't miss it. (laughs) Before then, I do want to add another enlightening layer to the brain and weight relationship. There are connections between the regions of your brain that regulate the consumption of rewarding palatable foods with the regions that regulate satiety and body fat distribution. When you eat a particularly palatable food, regions in your brain start regulating satiety and calorie intake. They become less efficient. This explains why you eat more of your favorite food. You need more calories to reach the right level of satisfaction in your brain. Your inner brain is not concerned with the health of a particular food. It's not sending you messages to stop eating something because it lacks phytonutrients or protein or vitamins. It's saying, this tastes good. I need energy. Keep eating. (laughs) Let's expand on that point, right? Those vitamins and minerals and health boosters in food do not trigger the same dopamine response in our brain that drives us to keep eating. Remember, for survival, they don't have energy. They don't have calories. They're just phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals that are important for survival, but they don't give us energy. And our ancestors weren't worried about these things because their only options were to eat whole real foods. So they were getting what they needed if they were eating. Their taste buds were not desensitized to the natural sweetness and fruit of vegetables like ours are. If someone is used to drinking concentrated fruit juice at every meal, and then you hand them a whole apple, they are not going to find it as satisfying because their brain's reward center has bougie taste. (laughs) It requires excessive sweetness to reach the same level of satisfaction. Our ancestors were also looking for calories to again, live another day. Our brains these days are looking for pleasure. We know we have calories. We consciously have calories. We have so much variety, so we are driven by taste and not survival. Other than taste, our brains also drive us to eat for energy. Ever noticed how foods taste so much better when you're hungry? Eating a Snickers bar when you're hangry is much more pleasurable and satisfying than eating one after you're stuffed from dinner. This is an example of how the circuits in your brain that control calorie intake are connecting with the areas in your brain that control food reward. If your primary goal is weight loss without total restriction of calories or food groups, you must rewire your brain to feel satisfied with smaller portions of those hyper palatable foods. Now, this isn't an overnight process. In fact, how long this process takes can depend on a variety of factors, including your current eating habits, your diet and eating history, even the things that you did as a child impact how you eat as an adult, how long you've been eating a certain way, Oftentimes, overeating behaviors trace back to before we could even remember what we were eating, back when we were little itsy-bitsy toddlers. Your exposure to certain triggers and your ability to manipulate them in your favor, your support system, and most important of all, your desire and drive to change. If you don't really want it, well, good luck to you. Regardless, I want to be direct with you and say this. It's not easy You're going to have to really change your lifestyle in a strategic way, which involves making a lot of sacrifices and personal investments in your health, both financially and time-wise. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it by saying anybody can do it because not anyone can. The proof is in the pudding. One third of our nation is morbidly obese and that number is climbing. 
If anyone could do it, this statistic would not be so earth-shattering or shocking. I believe anyone is capable of doing it. I know anyone who is taking the time to listen to this podcast is capable of doing it because they're already investing time in learning how to be better and improve themselves. I hope you're feeling motivated. I hope you're listening to this and feeling understood and giving yourself some compassion. While it's pivotal to take responsibility for our health and our actions, you should know that you are not a failure if you struggle with weight or overeating. You are human and you're doing exactly what humans are wired to do. In part two of this podcast, I'm going to discuss with you strategies to rewire your brain. It's a dose of tough love and encompasses a lot of the recommendations I try to give to my one-on-one coaching clients and the clients I have that do the daily accountability program, especially the ones who struggle with weight loss because they identify as big eaters. Again, make sure that you're subscribed to my podcast. That way you don't miss part two. I'm going to release it next week. You're going to learn practical tips to help you overcome these desires to eat, but I want to give you some strategies to start implementing right now, and that's becoming really self-aware. Between now and the next time this episode is released, when part two comes out, I want you to start keeping a list of some of your unwanted eating behaviors. Really tap in. Where are you eating more or eating things that you don't specifically feel like are in line with your goals? And figure out why you're doing them. The more self-aware you become, the more opportunity you have to leverage that self-awareness and make change. As a client once told me this week, (laughs) once told me a whole four days ago, once you become aware, it becomes a choice. Meaning once you become aware of why or how or when you eat certain things, then it becomes a choice whether you want to change it or keep it the same. I thought that was really empowering. If you can't wait till next week, be sure to apply to that daily accountability program. I'll reach out to you personally and see if I can get you on some starting steps and get you enrolled in some daily accountability to help you really optimize your goals. Until then, guys, I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.